Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. You know, it's funny. I realize we might not have uh, recorded on Mondays in a while because I hear I the dulcet sound of leaf blowers outside of my window. So <laughs> if you're listening and you hear that, that's what that is. <laughs> so lots of people out doing work. And speaking of work, that's our topic for yeah. today. Yeah, we are going to um, talk about the third leg of this uh, kind of co-housing um, the keys to, to what makes co-housing work. The first one is community meals, regular meals together or eating together regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, everyday encounters, rushing into people as you go from your um, transportation to your home or as you pick up your mail. And then work, working together. Um, and Ooh, how yummy, these- work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one of your favorites. Um, <laughs> these are the things that we've identified that help us move from the kind of high, hey, how's it going stage to um, a relationship in community. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why we're specifically talking about work today is that we've had some questions recently um, in our public sessions about work, um, kind of, I think that they stem from maybe like, are people going to be forced to do tasks that they right. don't want to? you know that's one of them um I sense a, a like am I gonna feel bad am I gonna feel guilty if I mm-hmm. don't do it well or can't do it at all if, am I gonna be asked to do things that I'm not capable of or mm-hmm. uh, who's asking you know we're st- we still are in that that stage of kind of us versus them like are they gonna ask me you know yeah right because- of course, there is no they. There's just us asking ourselves. Yes, but, yes, yes. Yeah, but we thought it'd be an interesting topic uh, to talk about. And so, Lynn, this is one of your favorites. Do you want to talk about why this is one of your favorite topics? Yes, I mean, I just I love work, and I I guess I um, I sort of knew that about myself because I've noticed when I'm working on a new team or coming together with a group of people. I've noticed that the way I build relationship is by actually doing things together. I guess I'm kind of the classic parallel play person. Um, You know, let's, let's roll up our sleeves and let's do something. And I find that that's how I really get to know people. I get energy out of it. Um, And for me, it then kind of spills over into meaning and purpose, et cetera. And yeah, I just, I, I think that's key to community for me. I mean, all this other stuff sounds great, you know, meals and everyday encounters, but I notice that I start to get a little bit twitchy if there's not some sort of a, like, why are we doing all this? Yeah. You know, just sort yeah. of idly having fun. Yeah. Maybe I'm just become too American or something. (laughs) You know, it's funny, Lynn, you are very much like that. Um, Also, you're generous in your work. You're generous in inviting people into that. So it's interesting to me that you recognize that as, you know, this is how you build relationship because you also do a ton of outreach with it. You pull people in. Lynn is one of those magnetic people who can bring people into working on things with her. Um, through her excitement and enthusiasm and organization and and this kind of promise of like this is a good relationship if if we can work together we can we can be friends it's great oh wow I 
I'm I'm humbled. Uh, <laughs> I think my family would say I'm just kind of like a nag and trying to, you know. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about having friends rather than all family members, yeah. right? <laughs> Uh, yeah so for me um work definitely is also something that gives me meaning and mm. purpose you know it adds a layer of um, meaning to a relationship um and i think in co-housing more broadly you know if you only ever have social interactions you're basically a social club right i mean you, mm -hmm. that's you are um, and if you only brush up against somebody and have those everyday encounters, it's hard to go beyond that. You know, I think about um, the people I see every day on the street, like like the Sesame song, Sesame Street song. You know, I see the people out out doing things on the street, but even if I walk past them every day and say hello, we're not exactly you know deepening our relationship in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a um, thing floating around on Facebook right now that uh, some other people from my previous co-housing community had forwarded. And it's about these uh, women in, I think, probably the, you know, 50s or whenever washing machines became and dryers became really um, prevalent. And prior to having a machine in their home, they would wash their laundry and then hang it out back. And so standing outside and hanging mm. up their laundry, you know, does a lot. It takes up a lot of time. Um, you can stand and chit chat or gossip or have mm -hmm. a real heart to heart during that time. There's also kind of this interesting element of like literally the dirty laundry, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that dimension of it. Of <laughs> That's like, cute. It's a form of intimacy, I think. Yeah. So anyway, so then um, all of these, this neighborhood of, of people got washing machines and dryers. And so suddenly it was all inside the home oh, and wow. there was a, yeah, an increase in um, isolation and in depression. It and is, you know what, it is amazing how these creature comforts and these um, labor saving devices have actually served to isolate us rather than kind of free us up. And, you know, an another kind of weird connection to this is when we lived in Singapore, we had a maid who mm -hmm. she was 24 seven and she did absolutely everything for us that would, would normally fill a lot of my um, spare time outside of work, you know, from cleaning, shopping, cooking, just kind of organizing the kids. And I remember feeling when we first moved there and got her kind of oriented and really going, I felt adrift. Yeah. On Saturday mornings, I was so used to be, okay, right. Shop for the week, get the meals planned, get this organized, get all the laundry done. And I was just sitting there Saturday morning going, what am I supposed to do with myself? Yeah. Well, I could go out to lunch with a friend, but it all felt, you know, when you talked about the social club, it all felt like I was immersed in this world of all these superficial kind of social easy, smooth relationships. And that's not the space in which I build real depth with people. Yeah. And it was a very strange period. I think that was really kind of my whole uh, kind of awakening about my relationship to work. I mean, not just like a career or something, but just activity that somehow moves us forward in the world. And anyway, yeah, I can really relate to that purpose. In yeah. fact, I've kind of joked with you, like, you know, you and I get along great. Now we have this great mission here, but what are we going to do when this mission is over and we move know, into co-housing? Find some shared work, Lynn. Yeah. I'm going to be inventing something. Yeah, I was going to say, 
I'm sure we'll find it. I am not concerned about that. <laughs> well, I wanted to um, to talk about what exactly is work in the context of co-housing because um, there is a structure that usually mm -hmm. comes to pass. You know, we've talked, I think, a little bit before about the governance of co-housing communities that there's usually, you know, a board and team structure. So there are opportunities for people to take leadership roles and have that kind of um, intellectual and organiza organizational work. Mm -hmm. And then there's also just the, the shared physical work of tending to a shared space and usually um, some sort of outdoors space. And so uh, the structure of a work day, and they're called different things. Some people call them work days. Some people call them you know, community days, things like that. Mm -hmm. But usually everyone comes together, um, all of the tools get pulled out, you know, kind of everything gets pulled out for the day. Somebody has made a task list or has a different way of organizing the work that needs to get done. So people have uh, direction and know mm -hmm. exactly how it needs to happen. And also to make sure that everything that they need to complete the task is there. So all of that comes out usually in the morning, along with coffee and bagels or muffins or whatever the community's, you know, preferences. And, um, and then people kind of go off in groups or individually and complete these tasks. Mm -hmm. And it's really spectacular to see what a community can get done in a pretty short amount of time. Some communities do it for a half day. They then have a big community lunch and call it a day. Some go on and work the entire afternoon also um, and finish out the day. And I have to say one of my, my favorite memories is sitting after a work day um, on the community porch with a well-deserved beer, everyone reminiscing mm. about, you know, what had happened during the day. And it's just really a strong feeling of building mm -hmm. something together and caring for something and being a part of that. So that's the structure of Workday. Well, let me ask you, this is a great place, great place maybe to go back and, and um, address some of the questions that have been popping up for us. Like, okay, so you've, this is, it sounds like this sort of very um, well-organized structure, but what if, there's not a task that I can do. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm not physically able to do anything that's been served up. How do you accommodate something like that? Yeah, so in my experience, it, it happens like at both, well, I mean, it happens to anyone at any age, but particularly at both ends of the spectrum. You've got mm -hmm. young kids who kind of can't do things that are maybe genuinely helpful. And mm -hmm. then you've got people who are much older or have physical disabilities or, you know, physical limitations that make it difficult or impossible to complete something. Um, so every workday has a bunch of tasks that go along with it that are really intellectual tasks more than physical okay. tasks. So like somebody needs to meet the arborist to walk around and find out what needs to happen to the trees. Somebody needs to call the tool sharpener to make sure that the um, tools are sharpened in the spring so you can do the you know, trimming of the shrubs. Um, somebody needs to prepare the snacks and hand them out. That's usually a fantastic adult job to make sure it happens or, or older uh -huh. job. And then the youngest kids walk around with the snacks. Yeah. Um, I have a really happy memory of my um, then three-year-old uh, collecting apples underneath the apple tree. Cause if you just leave mm. them, they rot, so they need to be collected, but man, no adult wants to crawl under a tree for right. hours, but a three-year-old loves crawling under yeah. a tree for, three for three hours. So, so, you know, there's something for everyone. You work with what you have in the community. Yeah. Well, that's reassuring. And what if, what if you just can't find something for somebody who just, you know, is a little bit more 
difficult, however, <laughs> however that looks, you know. Yeah, I mean, it depends. You know, everybody has something that they care about. Usually in the mm. community, everybody has something that they want to see fixed. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's something that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily take on, mm -hmm. uh, but it's important to that person. So uh, this is not an example of something that wasn't important to a person, but it was an example of like a job you wouldn't necessarily think of um, that all of the chairs in the common house had little felt pads on the bottom uh -huh. to protect the floor and to make sure that the floor would still be there, you know, in, in 30, 40 years. And so, um, so my husband and one of my kids spent the better part of a workday peeling off those felt bits and putting new felt bits on. So, you know, if somebody is maybe doesn't care about weeding at all, but really does care about the state of the floor and the common hmm. or somebody really feels like having a clean, uh, fridge is really important. They might choose during mm. the workday to clean out the fridge. Or if they're unable to participate on a workday, but also would like to participate in the care of the community, there are a bunch of roles that happen, you know, mm -hmm. on day that they can participate in. And again, it's the 80-20 rule. You're not going to get 100% of the, you know, people every single time, but you're going to get enough people to get the job done. Well, that sounds, I think that's really helps answer a lot of the questions that we've got. I think it just goes what I'm hearing you say is it, it's a lot more flexible than we might have envisioned. It also comes from a place of where people have care and concern for the community uh, at, their, at their own personal individual level, as opposed to maybe some grand master orchestrating all of this who then imposes this on them. And it sounds like they were, you're able to, to be creative enough in how the work is structured so that it covers everybody's availability, skills, and interests area, which is something that it's really, I think, hard to imagine unless you've experienced it. And one question that we get often, I think that it's, and, and it's a valid question and it has a, an interesting answer, I think, is, well, what if the community can't do something? You know, either the whole, you know, a whole community, there are uh, co-housing communities that are all seniors. So they don't have three-year-olds running around to pick up the apples or, mm -hmm. you know, or you've got a community that, you know, maybe doesn't have a wide skill set in one area. I don't know if there's a community of, you know, only an artist community out there might, might paint beautifully, but they might not want to do, you know, something else that's outside of their skill set. So you might get this kind of specialized mm -hmm. group. And so then the question becomes, when do we do it ourselves and when do we pay for it? And mm -hmm. so that one comes up, you know, even in uh, multi-generational communities, there, there come times where the co-housing DIY you know, spirit where you've got more people. So you have kind of this broad skill set and you can do a lot of things for yourselves uh, within that skill set. You also have like a community's worth of tools. I think mm -hmm. about, uh, we painted the little free library for mm. our housing site here. And um, somebody, one of our community members did drop off a post hole digger, which was great because we did not own a post hole digger. <laughs> so to get it in the ground, we borrowed that. Um, but we didn't have paint pans and rollers and that kinds of things because right. we haven't done any painting. So, but if we lived in, in co-housing, somebody has that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can call on this broad set of skills. You can call on kind of broad set of mm -hmm. tools. 
Um, so a lot of this stuff of, of DIY is, is lower than if you went on your own. And so a lot of things fall on that, on the, on the yeah. side. So sometimes the cost question is, is it more expensive to do it ourselves or is it more expensive to hire it out? Mm -hmm. but then also I would say that because co-authors are very um, active in their communities in general, and they're keeping an eye on kind of, you know, we've repaired this three times. I think it's time for the plumber to come and do it. Right. They know when to hire out also, you know, they're, mm -hmm. I feel like they have a pretty good sense of when, when their own uh, limitations apply. Whereas individual homeowners might try things, you know, a couple of times or <laughs> when they probably just should have called in the first place. Well, so. you know, I, that's funny, Kelly, because I think that may be true for some people, but if I just look at our household, I think we might be on the other side of that equation where we would be, my first reaction to anything is higher. Do not do it ourselves. We don't yep. know what the heck we're doing. And I can certainly visualize in co-housing that I might be more emboldened because of the skills yeah. that you talk about where, okay, somebody has maybe replaced their own toilet. Like I have a brother who would do absolutely everything himself. He doesn't need anybody else on the planet but he doesn't live next door to me. But if I have a guy next door who's done these kinds of things, I might say, hey, you know, we've got this job that normally we would hire out. Could I maybe do it myself? And if they've done it before, I just kind of have this vision that they'll be go, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be happy to come over and show you how to do that. And yes. so that might help us reduce some of our kind of regular maintenance costs too. Definitely, so. yeah, definitely. And just knowing you've got backup there, like somebody's got your back because yes. they have have some experience. So yeah, well, and in, if it's a community project, if if a bunch of community members, you know, mess it up and have to hire someone to come and fix it, that's okay because it was their effort and it's their money. So it's yeah. <laughs> everybody's all in it together. It's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so well, another one that we get a lot of is about participation. You know, mm -hmm. are you going to be forced, you know, to do things or? How does that work? You know, are you required to do a certain number of hours or blah, blah, blah. Um, and about that, you know, every community is different and we don't know how co-housing Houston is going to be. But in general, I would say that, that if you have a really strong culture and tradition of working together, you know, you have regular meals, you've got kind of patterns of people working together and people uh, really viewing the community as a shared project the more people imbue value into the things that you're doing, the more easily it comes together. So, you know, there's a fine line between structure and so much structure that people don't want to participate. Mm -hmm. uh, and work days definitely walk that line because you want some structure, you want people to know what they need to do and how they need to do it, but you don't want to kill them with micromanagement. Mm -hmm. um, so it's an interesting line in, in when it's being practiced, you know, it's, when it's happening. But the question about participation is really, it's up to the community and it's rarely successful for communities to be like, you have to do this. Mm. So it's usually you're going to want to do it. Right, mm. right. Well, and you know, I, one of the questions that's still an open-ended question for me is, will it feel similar to where we are today in our virtual pre-move-in community? Yeah because it's not all evil, evenly distributed right now. A lot of it is based on availability. A lot of it's based on passion, skills. And I just am assuming that a lot of that will just kind of transport itself into, layer itself into the community when we're physically together. But the mix of skills and distribution of labor will look slightly different because we'll have different needs. 
Yeah. I don't think you and I will be running like the, you know, HVAC maintenance. Like no, definitely not. <laughs> we, yeah. we get to run the podcast, but maybe not the HVAC maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in the kitchen cooking. I already know that. There you go. But, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, I hope that we've been able to answer most of the questions. Um, do you think there's anything we'd miss that people I think ask? That's it, Lynn, you know, yeah. but I have to say, if you're going to be in the kitchen, that just gives me an idea. Now I'm just, I'll be your sous chef. How about that? That's oh yeah, that's great. Sure. You Perfect. just come on over. I'm happy to direct traffic in the kitchen and come, I'm, I like planning meals too. So I'm good on that. Yeah. Well, anyway, Kelly, I'm looking forward to all of that in the future and um, I think that if uh, any of our listeners have more questions about work, I look forward to having them show up at one of our info sessions that you can find on our website. We just want to thank you for stopping by today. So glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Co-Housing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. We'll see you next time. Bye.